0: Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, rarer than the rarest Rare Group 7-inch. Hertha play well. Union bring tears to the eyes of Marco Rose. Bayern and Dortmund win ugly. And Hoffenheim are going down. All this and more in Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we're back for another episode of Beer and Honey. Thanks for tuning in. But before we start, a quick reminder. Please support us if you can. Become a member in our supporters club at steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey. Christoph, you're always close to what happens in Berlin. Berlin football teams, one is doing a little better than the other these days, but we had a very rare win from Hertha this weekend, 4-1 against Borussia Mönchengladbach. What the hell happened there?
1: Yeah, maybe we can uh, straight jump into learning some uh, in the next issue of learning Fußballdeutsch. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. A suggestion from our producer York, who is a huge Borussia Mönchengladbach fan, and, and his suggestion is "Aufbaugegner." What is an Aufbaugegner?
0: Hmm. In English, I'm not sure there is the direct equivalent. It's lit- the literal translation would be a, an opponent that builds you up, that lifts you up. The opponent that you want to play against when you're down, because they're even worse than you. Um, and that's Borussia Mönchengladbach, it seems, because they even made Hertha look good. Uh, absolutely. Um, so
1: um, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach was 1-0 up and, and they looked like a, a nice combination football playing team. But then I think a bit out of the blue, uh, Hertha equalized uh, shortly before halftime. And that was a kind of moment of awakening. And the second moment of awakening was a fantastic shot by Morten Dardai, the son of uh, former Hertha coach Paul Dardai, who scored from, I don't know, tw- 25 meters or so, a fantastic shot that went straight into the Uh, angle of the um, Borussia Mönchengladbach goal. And then uh, Borussia never returned. uh, They are an Aufbau-gegner right now because um, uh, you remember me complaining about um, uh, Hoffenheim not being very intense. And uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, is exactly on the same page here. And um, so they play with such low intensity. And if um, an opponent like Hertha, full of dedication and uh, with some some help from good moments in in games like a goal or, or two, uh, they they didn't come back. And um, yeah, and and it, it was in spe- There was a special aspect to this win because three of the four goals were scored by um uh, players who came f- uh, who come from the Hertha academy and as we remember um all the shuffling around at Hertha with Freddy Bobic leaving and so uh, there was a it, it was, the narrative was now Hertha is going the Hertha way and and if you have three of your your own players uh, scoring uh, at such an important win, that is the Hertha way, actually.
0: Pretty pretty impressive, especially after all the scenes behind the scenes. Well, not so much behind the scenes, but the, the changes that happened um, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that Freddie Bobic getting sacked, and Kai Bernstein, the chairman of Hertha, talking about this new Hertha way and the youngsters coming through and they they were getting a lot of criticism, especially by uh, Bilt, who seemed to have a thing for Kai Bernstein. But best way to answer, of course, your critics is to win. But I think, Christoph, we have to talk a little bit about Borussia Mönchengladbach. I mean, Daniel Fark has come in. He's playing or he's trying to play the kind of football that was successful under Lucien Favre, Uh, Fairly slow, fairly intricate by Bundesliga standards, more passing, longer sequences. But does he actually have the players good enough to play such a style? Or is there a bit of a mismatch between what he wants to do and what this team can deliver?
1: I would say, yes, the players are good enough. But the question is, are they still interested enough? I mean, if if you especially looked at somebody like Marcus Turan um, on on Sunday, uh, he, he he looked like um, being already on his way out and not, well, he, is not on his way deep. He, he is on his way out, <laughs> but he he also looks like being on his way out, <laughs> not not being really interested anymore what what's what's going on with Borussia Mönchengladbach um a similar situation with Alessandro Player and um yeah um the um you, you you would guess that probably there is a um a kind of concept problem that teams like Hoffenheim or Bursa Mönchengladbach have with their kind of style, passing football, possession football, and so on. But, but I think, um, it actually has to do with the attitude of, uh, of players and, um, um and the mentality. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not normally, I'm not a big fan about uh, to, to talk about this, uh, uh, this topics, but I think in, in but, both,
0: uh, but as you get older,
1: as I get older, probably, <laughs> but, uh, and wiser, I can see it again. <laughs> uh, no, but 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 um, but but when you, when you watch them play, it's um, the German word would be rumdödeln. I don't know how to translate <laughs> uh, this.
0: Lazing about, yeah. So not not good, not good.
1: What's your your take on this? I'm. Um, is it? Um, do you see the conceptual problem as this kind of Football may, may be already outdated, not, not uh, up to what, what is needed in the Bundesliga or um, has it to do with um, how it is done by the players? No, I think
0: you're right. There are some intangibles here at play where it doesn't seem to be much togetherness. It doesn't feel like a team, it doesn't feel like the old Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think the influence of the kind of players that really carried this team in the last uh, three or four years, maybe longer, is waning. I'm thinking of Lars Stindl, for example. Important players are either leaving or have already left, and it feels like a big transitional season. And I think it's hard when you have to change both the squad effectively and your playing style at the same time. With someone, let's not forget, Daniel Facker has no experience in the Bundesliga. Of course, he has coached uh, Borussia Dortmund's second team. He has coached in the Premier League. He's coached in the Championship. But I do think that the Bundesliga, and this is a topic that we've talked about in the past, has actually improved um, over the last couple of years. And especially this year's is maybe tougher and better than usual. And you get into problems. There is no divine right for a side like Borussia Mönchengladbach to turn up and believe that they have a real material advantage against any of the teams in this league, with the possible exception of Schalke 04. Talking of Schalke, they didn't get beaten at the weekend. They did pick up one point at home to VfL Wolfsburg. Probably not enough. They were a little bit unlucky, again, with refereeing decisions. But we should just mention that they are now five points adrift of the relegation playoff place, which is indeed taken by Hertha after their win. Stuttgart drop into 17th. They were beaten away by Freiburg. But uh, one team that you already mentioned that doesn't get that much attention from us uh, historically in the (laughs) Beer and Honey podcast (laughs) is TSG Hoffenheim, uh, Christoph. Hoffenheim, a team that uh, went into the Bundesliga back in 2006 or seven, and initially played some very good football under Alfrangnik. Then they had a bit of a lean spell. Then Julian Nagelsmann came in, took them into the Champions League, but since then they've been drifting, drifting along, and getting slowly sucked into relegation battles. Last year we had Sebastian Hurnus, who had a good start the season then was on the cover of El El Freunde and then of course (laughs) what happened is that they lost almost every single game and just about survived and we have a similar story now because they started well but now they're in 14th after yet another defeat 3-1 at home to Leverkusen with new coach Pellegrino Matarazzo of v Stuttgart fame overseeing a poor start to his reign is the time of Tiske Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga running out, Christoph.
1: Maybe that's a bit, bit too early to um, to to um, predict this, but but at least the chances are are getting bit, uh, bigger. Um, Pellegrino Materazzo is is um, is kind of coming home to. Uh, Hoffenheim because he worked there as a, as a youth coach, he worked there as a, uh, an assistant to Julian Nagelsmann and um, so he knows the club and um, interestingly and that fits to what we talked about um, earlier about Borussia Gladbach, he said and it's another uh, fu- Fußballdeutsch expression. Look. Fußball with beer and honey. We are not a Kloppertruppe. What is a Kloppertruppe? Um, okay.
0: <laughs> klopper. It's not a <laughs> word you hear often uh, anymore in the Bundesliga. It used to be associated with a team that you uh, know very well, uh, Christoph Faulfelde Bochum in the eighties. That's all it could do, which is to kick people to Klopper, Klopp, klop club somebody over the face, club <laughs> someone. A team that really hits everything apart from the ball. I think that is a Kloppertruppe.
1: Yeah. And, and so, um, Materazzo was saying, um, uh, yeah, we are not a, a Kloppertruppe. So it, uh, so it means we can't survive, uh, the league with, uh, fighting like others. I think that was a kind of, we have to play, um, proper football and that will uh, get us out of the, um, the situation, but again, I, I think um, the main problem for for Hoffenheim is um, that um, they are lacking the mentality and um, that they uh, don't don't develop enough energy and intensity um, on the pitch, and uh, it al- also showed against. Um, um, Leverkusen, where they gave the, uh, their opponents a, a lot of space and, and where they, uh, the first goal, for example, almost easily, uh, they could easily score uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Robert Andrich, uh, was, uh, shooting the 1-0. So, um, I, I think they need to develop at least an element of Kloppertruppe, if, if they <laughs> uh, want to survive. And um, they only have 19 points now. Um, to me, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Hoffenheim right now are the weakest teams in the Bundesliga, or the, the teams with the, uh, with the worst form. And uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach can be happy that they already have 26 points, but um, Hoffenheim with only 19, they they have to find the right mix if they want to survive this season.
0: They might be lucky in the sense that other teams are worse than them, but it does feel like a very downward trajectory for this team and for this club. Let's see if Pellegrino Matarazzo can really change the dynamic there. But at the top of the table, it's still very, very tight and very interesting. Bayern beat VfB Bochum 3 0. Uh, Bochum and Bayern have a, a fan friendship a, a supporters love in which perhaps Christoph you can explain briefly why is that
1: um so the the history goes back uh, almost 50 years no 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 not almost 50 years it goes back exactly uh, 50 years so it happened in 1972 when um uh, some uh, Bayern Munich supporters traveled to to uh, Bochum and were at that time attacked by some uh, Bochum fans or local, I don't know, hooligans or whatever. And others, um, a fan group Bochumer Jung, uh, a fan club, uh, kind of protected them. And after after they helped them out, they went to went out together to to have a beer. And um, when they uh, played Bochum Bochum and Bayern the next time, they drank. Beer again, and so over the years, uh, this kind of friendship developed, and it's it spread. Um, there's also a, a friendship between the ultras of Bayern, the Schickeria, and the ultras of of, of Bochum. So, um, I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of of, of this friendship, but but uh, what can I do? <laughs> but it's um, it's supported by a lot of people. And, um, and it, it was moving on, 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 uh, Saturday in a way, because they had a huge choreography on both, uh, ends of the stadium. They, uh, in the Allianz Arena, there was, uh, the, the song that is always played before home games of Forfe Bochum, that is Bochum by Herbert Grünemeyer, a big star of, 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 um, uh, uh, German pop music and um, and so that was nice and uh, and <laughs> to, to, to be honest most most of the time um, it it felt like a, f- a friendly uh, this game between um, uh, Bayern and Bochum and uh, Raphael I guess <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann was, was not amazed about it uh, he didn't like it and he had a only a ninety. Uh, seconds or so uh, team talk in, in at halftime and then went or stormed out uh, again and put himself on the bench to watch some videos of, of, uh, or, or whatever. So so he was really pissed.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think he watched Gute Zeiten, Schlechte Zeiten the series. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. But yeah, very intense apparently, Leon Goretzka said that little speech was from, from Julian Nagelsmann and the result was good. The kind of performance that you sometimes get before big games, because Bayern, of course, on Tuesday night, have PSG in Paris. But again, a team not really clicking, a team not really in full flow. Leroy Sané had a very bad game. Bayern got a little bit lucky with the way that they got the breakthrough. But not the ideal preparation, I would say, for for that trip to Paris. Um, still... Signs that not everything is is okay. I guess they're hoping, or that was Julian Nagelsmann's hope, that the Champions League as an occasion, especially with this opposition, will somehow focus their minds and they will bring out a very good performance. But you can't always rely on these mechanisms to kick in. What do you make? You don't see Bayern that much every week. What, what do you make of this team at the moment? Um, I, I I found
1: the... Uh, reaction um, interesting so that they were so harsh on themselves and I, I, I think that's um, if they would have been like yeah yeah okay this is one of these matches we've won 3-0 we've done our job we got the points we got the goals and and actually uh, Bochum uh, couldn't create almost no problems for them I mean it's uh, uh, not, not unsurprisingly and um but that they reacted like this shows that this that they are not comfortable with themselves right now and that there is uh maybe internally there is a feeling that they are probably not totally on the right track right right now and and so i found that interesting i mean um they were also very critical about the performance at Wolfsburg, in a way, the, the the week before, a lot of the media and I, I, and I was thinking, no, I, I, in fact, it's yeah, not brilliant, uh, but I found it quite okay. And um, but but so this shows there is some unrest and some some a lack of composure, a lack of confidence, and maybe they they need um, this this game at Paris now because uh, I think also Leon Gerzke was saying um we're talking about this match now um uh, 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 since um, it was set up and that was in the beginning of November and now we have we're in mid February maybe it was uh, also uh, the time too long with the world cup in between and and, and so on um yeah but um I'm really, actually, I'm really looking forward to see um, uh, that, that that game because also, I mean, um, when, when you look at, at the news from Paris and um, they were defeated this weekend with a B team, yes, at Monaco, um, Julian Nagelsmann is saying that uh, he's e- expecting... Mbappé to play, although he's officially injured, and this kind of so it's, it's a, I, I think from, from afar, it looks like, um, as if two teams in a crisis meet or so. But, um, actually, my feeling, and as you rightly say, it's a, it's a more distant feeling, is to me, by an doesn't really look like a team in a crisis, but they behave like one. And I find that interesting.
0: Mm. Well, they often behave like a team in a crisis in order not to have a a bigger (laughs) crisis, I guess. But yeah, we will will know. We will know. This is the kind of game that the season depends. Uh, If it goes one way, the season will be seen as successful. If Bayern play badly, then almost whatever happens in the Bundesliga doesn't really matter all that much so the stakes are very high I'm looking forward to this as well I'm reasonably confident that Bayern can have a good performance there as you said PSG have their own problems but they really need to up their game let's see in the group stage that's what happened that's when there was this crisis feeling but every time the Champions League came around even though they got a little bit lucky at times they got good results they good good performances um, good results with not so good performance, but the sign maybe of a team learning how to win ugly was what uh, Borussia Dortmund did at Werder Bremen. They left it very late before they found uh, the opener. Sixties have it, uh, Jamie bynoe gittens the substitute, and then even later with five minutes to go, Julian Brandt, who's been quietly having a great season, I think it should be said. Of course, they have a game against Chelsea at home. On Wednesday, Borussia Dortmund, Christoph, six wins in a row. Are the results better than the performance or have they reached a performance level where they can get results when the performances aren't that great? Which in itself is a big improvement on what we used to see. In the first half of the season,
1: in the past, we complained a lot about the uh, lack of defensive stability at Borussia Dortmund. We also questioned their mentality. I mean, uh, a song that has been sung uh, at Dortmund hundreds uh, of times, but especially when you look at uh, last week, and and I would put this win at Bremen together with the cup win at Bochum, um, where where they. Um, really um were ready to take the fight that um uh that that Bochum were giving them a very in, a very intense game and um with um where you could see that um your friend Emre Chan is now a, a real a, a real fighter for them and uh, gives them this kind of intensity in midfield, maybe inspired by uh, uh, um, Julian Ryerson, uh, the, who came in, in winter from Union Berlin. Who is He is, he is also helping um, uh, Borussia Dortmund a lot, with his way to play football. And so overall, it's maybe it's not the fantastic free flowing blah, blah, blah football, but now they look like an actual football team that is together, that it works in solidarity, everybody going in into the same direction and, um, and I think it's it's a very impressive how um, Edin Terzic uh, managed to do that, and and so I'm I'm uh, pretty optimistic for them uh, facing Chelsea.
0: Yeah, me too. And you you mentioned Emre Can, who has come back into the team since that four uh, three slightly chaotic win against Augsburg, the first game in the new calendar year. And since then, Dortmund, as you said, have looked much better defensively. Um, a couple of clean sheets. Not that same kind of distance that you used to have between the back four and everyone else. And just having somebody sit there and do stuff, the simple stuff quite well and competently has made a big difference for them. And uh, if you allow me a bit of cross promotion, Emre Can did talk to me um, recently and uh, you can read that interview on The Athletic. I think it's well worth reading because he talks a lot about the mentality, uh, the um, almost conscious effort to create a dynamic that the crowd can respond to and he, he compared that to the kind of challenge that Jurgen Klopp faced when he first moved to Liverpool when the team were playing very slow football and the crowd were not really onto it and it all changed when the team's performances and the crowd's expectations finally mashed and maybe that's what's happening at Dortmund that's what's happening at Dortmund I'm really looking forward to seeing them against Chelsea I think they have a a decent chance of making it, which would be a big, big statement. Uh, The final really good team that we need to talk about is, of course, Union. Union, who, when we talk about winning ugly, are probably the masters. They were not necessarily a better side away to Leipzig. They came back from behind again. They scored a fantastic goal. They benefited from a doubtful VR decision, but yet this is not a coincidence because this happens on a weekly basis. Christoph, do you still find yourself amazed, surprised, astonished by what Union are doing, or have you not actually gotten used to it? Uh,
1: No, I haven't got used to it. And as you said, six times in a row they managed to turn a 1-0 round to win 2-1. I mean, it's a, a it's an example of what is it resilience um it is um spirit it is um it's a special team it it tells the story of a very special team it um was fisher saying that it feels surreal uh that they won again um, I think it's, it's a, it's a feeling that everybody at Union and around Union, um, uh, has. It's, it's like, um, it's a pinch me. It's not true. And, and, uh, uh, let's not wake up from this dream and, and, and so on. So they are, um, I've, I've been spoken to, I've spoken to, to, to one of the players last week and he, he was saying that he never, never um had such a team spirit uh, in the dressing room um in his life and uh, I mean and this this thing is uh, obviously increasing when when you're constantly winning you everybody everybody feels good and and so on but um it feels actually unstoppable but honestly, we I think we have to talk about this VAR decision because again this weekend was terrible for for the referees in, in the Bundesliga. Too many strange decisions, too many interferences by the famous uh Kölner Basement, Kölner Keller, and um and also um I think In the end, I didn't get why Timo Werner was offside uh, before um, Leipzig uh, made the equalizer that was taken away from them. Mm. Um, Have you got your head around it? Do you understand it? Can you make a proper explanation?
0: I think I can. So What happened was a long ball came over the top. Laui Duny tried to clear it with his uh, heel which looked a little bit fanciful, didn't connect properly. The ball bounced off him and came to Timo Werner and then the goal happened. Uh, The idea is that this wasn't a pass that went astray, but more like a clearance or uh, a rebound and therefore the passive offside becomes active offside. I think there's two ways of looking at it. Either you say, well, The guy didn't really have time to control it properly. He only had to play it in a weird position because Werner was behind him. So he's kind of forced into that error in a way. And therefore, Werner shouldn't benefit from that. That's the view of the referee. I don't agree with it because I think he had a lot of time. There was also another player, Union player, uh, behind him that could have made an easier clearance. And I think he chose to make the difficult move. And it's his problem when he does something difficult and doesn't do it very well. And there was no immediate pressure on him. It wasn't like he was a last ditch, you know, tackle to try clear the ball. I think he made a decision, he was not rushed, and the ball went to Werner, and I think it would have been should have been okay. It's the most complicated aspect of the offside law. And I think we sometimes have to try to remember what is the purpose of it. So The purpose is to say, if somebody's in an offside position and let's say the goalkeeper makes a save from somebody else's shot, um, he shouldn't benefit from that position. So whenever the ball comes off an opponent, but the opponent has no real control over it, it should still be offside. When there's a pass back and somebody just gets there, then of course it's not offside. So this one, you could argue it either way. For my feeling, it was more of a pass that went astray rather than a, a unforced uh, and a forced clearance or um or a, yeah uncontrolled action and it should have been a goal i think
1: but i'm wondering um apart from this really very complicated case um if the referees can turn it around this season because um as i said we had a lot of strange interferences um this week and again there was a ridiculous um hand pe- uh, uh, um penalty because of a handball um in this case for Augsburg in in Mainz where somebody shot from i don't know uh, half a meter or so and um i mean you 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 also watching a lot of english footballs so i why does the premier league do it better in that respect,
0: I'm not sure this is the right uh, weekend to ask this because they've had some terrible VR decisions <laughs> at the weekend with huge controversy. Um, I think Howard Webb has come in uh, back from America to take charge, and he's made a promise that the VR will interfere less, that it will go back to the initial idea of clear and obvious errors in a more literal sense. You know, Something is so obvious and so clear that you have to intervene. Uh, Not something that could be given, not something that you have to look like for minutes and minutes before you find it. And by and large, I think it's been better, but this specific weekend was a disaster because um, I don't know if you saw that it was a goal that Brentford scored And the VR forgot to draw the lines for the offside. (laughs) Why and how, I don't know, but he forgot to draw the lines. Anyway, um, I think they have to go back to a much lighter touch. And uh, I think the the combination of VR and German officiousness, where you always want to be extra (laughs) correct, is a bad, bad combination. And they need to really tell the people in Cologne, in the basement, to just lay off and just let the game flow and leave it to the referee. And only if there is a serious error, get involved then. But I don't know if that's going to be the outcome. I hope so, because it is, it is annoying. And I say that as a VR defender or proponent, even uh, VR rant over. Um, Christoph, is there something that we haven't talked about that we still need to address from this wonderful Weekend of football, maybe a, a word or two about Köln, who had a amazing win, uh, 3-0 against Frankfurt. Frankfurt don't often lose that heavily. But Köln, who've been on this great run, we talked about that uh, huge win they had. Uh, who did they beat 7-1? Was it? Um, Werder Bremen. Yeah, uh, they beat Werder Bremen 7-1. They got that draw against Bayern. And they now beat Champions League participant and Europa League winners, Frankfurt.
1: And and they did it convincingly. So so it was um, it was not just a, a, a lucky day or a happy day. It was a happy day for for Cologne. And congratulations! It's uh, Cologne's birthday this Monday. Cologne is uh, seventy five years old now and uh, this in a week where that uh, goes into the cologne carnival that uh, starts officially on the streets on um on thursday and wiver fastnacht wiver fast in uh, in cologne so a uh, best of times for cologne great football um impressive performance and uh, birthday and carnival so um i think Right now, there is no happier place in Germany than Cologne.
0: Yeah, there, there rarely is a happier place in Germany full stop than Cologne. <laughs> uh, but uh, just for, uh, for the benefit of our audience, we should say that SF de Köln in its current guise was formed in 1948. But of course, it existed in a way earlier because it was a merger between two clubs. Uh, one of them was around what from 1901 and the other from 1907. Okay. after that little trip down memory lane, uh, it's time to say goodbye and thank you for listening. Don't forget that you can support us uh, by becoming a member of the Supporters um, Club of Beer and Honey. Please go to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey or check via the socials to... Help us keep that little podcast on the road. My thanks to you, the listener. My thanks to producer York, to our social media guru, Stuart McCracken. And uh, don't forget, listeners, it is a Champions League week. So we will be back with a special looking at the performance of the two clubs in the Champions League of Bayern and Borussia Dortmund this week. Watch out for that and catch us again this week and indeed next one. We'll be back with another episode of Beer and Honey. Ours was Raphael Honigstein. I
1: was Christoph Biermann, and we say bye bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.